0: Sunday night races here on KZSM. Kathy let's try out that new microphone over there for me. (laughs) Yeah you're listening to races and Kathy let's try that microphone that way for me. Testing. Much better thank you very much. (laughs) Okay and uh, let's let you introduce your guest in the studio with us tonight.
1: Well we this evening as our guest mario Espinosa, and we want to welcome him to our show welcome
2: thank you kathy it's good to be here Uh, good to be back in san
1: Marcos. well that's good i'm so glad that you accepted my invitation to come on and um i'm really excited i always get excited when i have um a lot of stuff to talk to with you know with my guest and um I, i want to start first as everybody knows we start with the segment about our family history and so I want you to tell me a little bit about your mother and your father and where they're from, where they grew up, if they're not from San Marcos when they came. So we'll start with that segment first.
2: Sure, excellent. Sure, well, Mama is the easy one because she was born and reared in San Marcos. And so she was basically been on the Lucio Ranch, as we used to call it in the day, which is just going to be just uh, south of the, what is now the VFW Hall. And actually a lot of my aunts and family members still remain on that land, uh, making it their home.
1: So uh, you know, we talk about that little strip right there and so Anita's there and Anita's um, Anita's Cookie. there and
2: Cookie's there yeah. and my Aunt Mary as well as yeah, Terry, Terry, my cousin Terry.
1: And and Terry's mom was Benita. That and is that's, correct. Yeah. My
2: aunt Benita passed away a few years ago.
1: And then um the Lucius also lived off On Hopkins. That's
2: right. That actually was Grandpa's uh, sisters. They lived up on the hill, so to speak. So that would have been on the west side of of Hopkins. It's really funny because back in the day, they lived on Hunter Road. And now they live on on Hopkins, (laughs) on West Hopkins.
1: (laughs) And um, I've had um, Krista and Gilbert on the show as well. And they come from the, the Lucio family and. Um, They came came to talk to us about um, their family cleaners, which is located over on LBJ. That's right. And I also had Valerie on the show who came to talk to us about her grandmother, Janie Lucio. And so, you know, I was telling you that I I find the the women of this family had this tremendous backbone because now I'm seeing kind of this weaving of of, um, the men who have come out and, and had these businesses here in town. But, you know they're associated. a lot of them are associated with this Lucille women and so I, I I think that that just says a lot about this Lucille family
2: you're absolutely right it does very very strong family and a very very strong set of women mm-hmm. in the family no doubt
1: and so tell me a little bit about your mom what was what was what was your mom like because you know I know your mom from the uh, quite them one of course from from the Lucia women but what was she like you know there's this like this a persona that you have like when you're in the public but then you have this whole other thing when you're at home what was your mom like at home
2: oh gosh you're gonna get me to crying now <laughs> but as an only child i mean she was my world i mean she's an amazing woman strong woman i mean it's one of those things was back then of course mom was born in 22 in 1922 you know they didn't have the formal educations that you and i were afforded you know that opportunity to get so given that i think she only went to like second grade and so very very limited you know english even a comprehension of English. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, the way that she was able just to communicate with us and, and others. Uh, so many funny stories I could tell you just because of the friends and, and their parents I'd bring to the house. And so many times mom would just be very gracious and welcome them and offer them something to drink and or eat and would say very, very few words. Uh, but was I remember her being just very composed and just listening and, and trying to to interact as best she could mm-hmm. And sure enough, the, the families that would come or the parents that would come would say, your mother is delightful. I'm like, she barely said anything. But I think it was just her presence. And I think you get that presence from, from many women in our families. But in my case, I can say especially the Lucio family. And,
1: and the way that you carry yourself, right? And your mother's name was Enriqueta?
2: That's right. But Enri- we
1: didn't call her that. We called her Queta, right?
2: Yeah, Queta. Everyone called her Queta.
1: And, um,
2: and her closest friends called her Quetita.
1: Quetita? Oh, Wow. <laughs> That's, that's so sweet, right? Very endearing. Um, and I'll come back to the stuff about the formal education a little bit later. Uh, but let's talk about your dad.
2: Yeah. Daddy was born in Lockhart. So I say that's where I get my love for barbecue. That's why i got a belly that you can tell is probably full of barbecue at any given time.
1: It, it, it was born in your system, right? That's right.
2: <laughs> I was born with high <laughs> cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> but Daddy came to, to – actually, uh, Daddy uh, was born in 1919. And so, uh, came over to you know San Marcos eventually, and you know, San Marcos was the big hub town. I mm-hmm. mean, it was the big city. Even though Austin was just a little further north, you know, people, as you know from some of the smaller mm-hmm. communities, they when they came to San Marcos, you know, they made it.
1: This yeah, Kyle, um, Exactly. Lockhart, Martindale. Martindale, they yeah. were all
2: coming to San Marcos. Mm-hmm. So such was the case with with Dad. You know, so he came here, then of course went into the war, fought in World War II. And then after the war, that's when he, of course, uh, opened up the gas station. And so he served in Italy during World War II. And so I always remember one thing about Dad is that when he got mad, it was really funny. Daddy was the kind of guy that he didn't curse. You never heard a curse word out of him. The worst we ever heard him say, and I can say this on live radio, was hellfire. When he said those two words, we went. I went running. You're, you're so I knew old. it was not going to be good. And when he was really mad, he would curse an Italian. Uh. And so and my even mama would just like look at him like Tomas Did she knew that it was not good.
1: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your, your dad's family, you know, where his mother and father were from and um how long they've been in the States, you know, where they came from, if they came from some other place,
3: you know, if yeah, they came but from Mexico.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, they came from Mexico. And actually some of the research you did, mm-hmm. I mean, I've learned so mm-hmm. much just by reading really the bio, if you will, or the white sheet, mm-hmm. the white paper you, you presented. And so coming from, you know, Guajila, Mexico, I think is just is just amazing as well. It's one of those things where you don't quite understand where you really are from. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, we know that we all have our Mexican roots, uh, that are they're tied back but it's just one of those things that once we get to the united states and of course you and i were born in the united states mm-hmm. if not in san marcus mm-hmm. so it's just one of those things to where you kind of lose lose track of that you lose that and we become the generation and even the generation after us even more so of of those that where do we really fit in are we and i'm sure you hear this from lots of your guests you know, are we are we Mexican? Are we American? And, and then there's, there's that always discussion of who really accepts us mm-hmm. as as either Mexican or American. And so very proud to be, you know, of course, Mexican-American um, and, and, you know, with, with all that goes along mm-hmm. with being Mexican-American. But even it's one of those things that even learning Spanish, Spanish is one of the things that mama only spoke Spanish at home. Daddy was bilingual in English and Spanish. But I really, you know, I spoke I know to mom in Spanish yeah, and, the it, and the Italian. That's right. That's not going to be good. Not good Italian. <laughs> that's
1: a good stuff. That, that's
2: right. So it's one of those things that, you know, going, I went to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And so the nuns wouldn't let us speak Spanish. So mama said I went into kindergarten speaking only Spanish and came out of kindergarten speaking only English. Mm-hmm. And after that, I pretty much lost all my, my Spanish, mm-hmm. believe it or not. So Spanish is something that I've had to learn really as an adult. And even then, it's not as strong as it should be, mm-hmm. because back, you know, even in high school, it made different now. And even in college, we weren't there wasn't a foreign language requirement, mm-hmm. so we were able just to go through just as long as we knew, knew English, mm-hmm. you know, we were we were going to be just fine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, your your dad, um, when he no. was in Lockhart. What year did he come, what, what year did he leave, leave Lockhart and come to San Marcos?
2: I'm not sure, because, you know, uh, Grandpa, <laughs> who I never met, unfortunately, I didn't get to meet my uh, paternal grandparents. <laughs> they would passed by the time I was born. Uh, he owned, like, a furniture upholstery shop, and actually was right across what used to be Smitty's, uh, excuse me, used to be Kreitz's, <laughs> now it's Smitty's, so right off of 183. <laughs> so I remember Daddy driving us back there, every, you know, whenever we needed to get our barbecue fix, of course. And so driving us into that little area, and it was just a street over from 183. So it literally was walking distance to then crisis, now mm-hmm. Smitty's Barbecue in Lockhart. So, um, But I think the big move for him probably was uh, when he was um, drafted and went, mm-hmm. went off to mm-hmm. World War II. World
1: War II. Um, your, your dad was there in um, um, during World War II, and I always say that we owe a lot of gratitude to a lot of our service people, both, you know, that have been in the military in times of peace and in, and in times of war. And we know that about 500,000 you know, uh, people of Spanish-speaking descent, Mexican-Americans, were in the war. And a lot of them came back decorated. And I want to read some of the, uh, the uh, medals that, that your, your father came back with. And um, you said he was in Italy, right?
2: He was. He was stationed in Italy.
1: So he got uh, a medal for good conduct, army medal. World War II victory ribbon, African Middle East campaign medal for the European theater. And um, your dad was also a member of the American GI Forum.
2: He was. He was. I still have the the flag, of course, when he passed away, the flag that was draped over his coffin, as well as his hat. It was like a... I'm not sure what those hats are called. They're almost like not even beanies. (laughs) They're the flat hats that come out of...
0: It it, it was the... uh,
2: there is a name for it and uh, it's the tent
0: hat, um. It
2: is it is a tent hat absolutely.
1: And we but, love the American GI Forum here. We have Mrs. Gar- Garza here all mm-hmm. the time to come and talk to us about about Excellent. about the American GI Forum. And, um I remember from when I was much younger seeing your dad over at the Quak Was your dad a member of the Quak well, No, mom and dad
2: just like playing bingo. They just like going to <laughs> <laughs> they weren't official members, although you would never know. <laughs> they were know. just there because they were there right.
1: all
2: the time. This <laughs> is really funny. Bingo
0: was the auxiliary membership. Eh? Exactly.
2: Yes. And it all started at church because at St. John's Catholic mm-hmm. Church, you know, back then on Sunday afternoons at 3 p.m. was Bingo. bingo. And so that's where I think mom and dad caught, got the fever. And after that, it was like, yeah.
1: But we talk a lot about that because it seemed to be the thing. Because I remember when we were younger, there was bingo at the VFW on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. And then um, Saturday night's bingo was over at the Casey Hall. Right. And then Sunday it was at church. And then on Sunday night, it was over at the Cuauhtempo. Yeah. And so that's where all the little Mexican ladies that to <laughs> right. play bingo.
2: That's right. And then, you know, daddy was a member of three of the four with the exception of me, because uh-huh. he was also a member of the VFW uh-huh. or Veterans of Foreign Wars. Uh-huh as well as a knight, uh, the night in the Nights of Columbus.
1: Knights of Columbus. So, yeah, your dad was probably working all these, all these venues <laughs> That's <you> know, right. <laughs> on the weekends. Well,
0: if, you, if you ever had to have a venue in order to, you know, you needed to have something for a party, you you were set. Oh, yeah, exactly, know. exactly. Yeah, know, there one, was always a hall. Halls, yes. <laughs> That's right. Kathy, can we take a quick we'll station take, ID sure. break here? We're going to come on back. You're listening to our ACES here on KCSM.org, True Community Radio, San Marcos, Texas, and the Views Express on... On the show, those are the hosts, the guests, and not necessarily those of KCSM or SMTX CRA, we're going to be right back with you.
3: Hey, Sid, what are you listening to?
4: I listen to Sid's
3: Place, my show, the best oldies in the world. I'm on
0: every Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. on KZSM, your true community radio station here in San Marcos, Texas. Texas River Tonk airs live Fridays from noon to 2 p.m. on KZSM. They spin new music from up-and-coming artists as well as deep cuts from country greats. Within studio interviews and performances, Texas River Tonk is bringing you music straight from the source and letting you know where to see these artists live at upcoming shows. Don't miss Texas River Talk Fridays, noon to 2 on KZSM, true community radio. I'm an dreamer, I'm dreaming all day.
4: Long. You're listening to the Porch Radio Hour on KZSM.org, community supported public radio. Heard every Wednesday night on KZSM.org from 7 to 9 p.m. KZSM.org, would like to thank Truth and Light Crystal Shop for generously underwriting our programming. Truth and Light Crystal Shop, located at 171 South LBJ in San Marcos, right next to Redbud Roasters, wants to be the supplier of all your metaphysical needs with the large inventory of beautiful crystals, jewelry, candles, and incense, all at affordable prices. They also provide sound bath, Reiki, and tarot card readings. That's Truth and Light Crystal Shop, located at 171 South LBJ in San Marcos, Texas. For more information, you can reach them at 512-551-0921.
0: And if you would like to help underwrite and sponsor, you know, programming here on kzsm.org just get in touch with us you can click on that contact button or you can go and uh, just send an email kzsm san marcus at dot org. you are listening to riasis and kathy let's get on back here to the conversation
1: so you you mentioned that your father you know was had served over in world war ii he's come back home now um what year did your dad marry your mom, or how did they meet? And
2: well, dad mari- dad's first wife, Olivia, passed away a few days after my half sister was born. So, from his first marriage, he had two sons and a daughter. And then um, she passed away in 1959. And then um, a few years later, he married, remarried, uh, and married mom. And it was mom's one and only marriage. And then a couple of years later, they had me. So, mm-hmm. I was born in 62.
1: And so, where did the idea of opening up a gas station come for your for your dad?
2: Well, I think he did he serviced uh, airplanes and he was kind of on the mechanic side, if you will um, as far as assisting with the war effort mm-hmm. and, and so given that it was a natural fit for him to come back and do that and so yeah, so he was very fortunate to, be able to get the location that he did because he had it you know from Ever since I know, I can remember he was working at the gas station or owned that gas station until the day he passed away.
1: And and it was funny because when I was doing that, you know, I always re- refer to that area as, you know, at 35 Access Road and... um ocarina springs but then when i started researching it i re- I, fr- I forgot that they used to call that loop 82
2: it was it was that's right interstate 35 but loop 82 80, is yeah. the the actual physical address, address then at the time
1: and so give us a general description and ideas to where the station was located at so that we're talking about loop 82 and 35 and
2: sure well we all know where ocarina springs drive <laughs> is now as it heads you know west towards the uh, the bobcat stadium so given that, he was right there at the intersection. He was right at the corner. Actually, there was a Mr. Gaddies there for a while. Even before that, there was a chicken shack mm-hmm. was there. And then Mr. Gaddies opened up, and Daddy's gas station was always right there. Right
1: there on that corner. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, the financing for your dad's gas station. Did I mean, did he have a hard time? Uh, had he saved up his money? Did he have to go to the bank to get financing for it? Uh, did Did he own the station? Did yeah. he run it?
2: Yeah, you know, Dad never really shared the story of his first days. It was one thing about about Dad when it came to financial things. It was usually pretty private. He, he was more just just content with knowing that he was doing best the best he could for his family and being able to, to rear you know and to, to raise all of us. And so, um, but what I do know is that he did he didn't own the, the lot, if you will. He, he leased it. From uh, Mr. A. R. Adcock at the time, and I think it was Adcock Construction. I think Mr. Adcock had several properties yeah. around town. So Shirley,
1: Shirley Wickersham Shirley, Wickersham, yeah. Shirley Wickersham,
2: Shirley Wickersham's dad. Yeah. And so, uh, and then he paid for every time he would get gas from um, the uh, the distributor, and then it was um, R. T. Story, and so every time for Mr. Story, Mr. He'd Story get, yeah, that? he would get you know the gas. There would be like a one or two cent add-on to the gas, and that was how he was paying his. Uh, his lease, if you will. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it actually wasn't a, a check. that was, I'm sure there was an amount that was That's agreed genius, to. That's genius, Anything right? just, above yeah. or below that, you know, then they, they have a true up probably at the end of every month. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, but it actually was just an add-on on per gallon
0: uh, of gasoline.
1: Wow. T- t- talk about entrepreneurship at its best, right, without having to put any money away. Well,
0: if you think about that, I mean, here are these guys that are coming back from the war, right, that... They've got experience. They've been in the military. Your dad was a military. It, it, it amazes me that that was North Africa. And then they took them from North Africa and went into Italy. And, it, you know, Italy was, there it wasn't a cakewalk. There was a lot of deaths in Italy. And also in, in uh, the, you know, he was out in the deserts of North Africa, you know, and working on the planes and getting them. And so he comes back. And that trust factor that was there just is amazing to me you know we we hear these stories kathy but this is how we built the city you know and uh, here in san marcos
2: absolutely i mean it was i'm sure it was a great business relationship it was one that daddy was really afforded the opportunity to be able to become a businessman and own his own business uh, to be his own boss and, and back in the 50s and 60s, that just wasn't happening. Even before then, probably. I'm sure before then it wasn't happening. And so just be able to do that, I think, was, was really great. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, he was one of, of several Hispanic uh, businessmen and women, you know, in, in San Marcos. And so um, to be able to be one of those that uh, was able to be successful in, in his own way, you know, to be able to success, I guess, the he would probably define it as I'm able to provide for my family. My family does not want. So, given that, I mean, that is to a a wonderful father, uh, to a daddy. I mean, that is his probably uh, milestone, if you will. That that is his his the peak of his success is able to know that I was able to do for my family.
1: And in in some of the research that I did going back, uh, I found a lot of the little ads, and I had posted the ad about how he sold uh, was it trailer camper tops and uh, but i also saw that he was really big on distributive education so at the at the high school they had the de program along with the voe program and so he had a lot of the young men that came from the high school come into the shop and I remember seeing a photo of Rito Ivara mm-hmm. of all people sure, there. Sure, yes, yes. Do you, do you remember Rito? Of course
2: I do. I just saw him recently. Not no. at, yeah, not too long ago, I should say. And
1: so there was a photo of Rito in the paper, and it was talking about how he was in distributive education. And I think about all these young men now that have come through your dad's shop, right? You know, they may not have gone into the into the line of work of being a mechanic, but they were there to learn a trade and it was kind of like a deal of foot in the door because now you have a little bit of something that you can put on a resume and say, this is why it was at. And then you can go out and maybe find your calling. But I thought that was very admirable to try to give back to the young men in the community to mm-hmm. have them come and work under your tutelage.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think one of the big things there, of course, is them to be able to learn, to be able to learn from someone who looks like them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's huge as well. Cause you can see if, if he's able to have success, he looks just like me. He looks just like my family. He looks just like my father. There, there is something to that, almost intuitively, that you're like, I can do that as well. Again, whether it be to stay in the trade or to go out and do anything else, you really start building that confidence saying, you know what, people that look like me are also out there being leaders mm-hmm. and having their own businesses. So it's, I think it's a very, it's an amazing thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I think, too, because you don't really think about it at that time that you're you're doing it right, but the um, effect that that has on somebody that sees you that way, and now, like you say, they have that ability to think at a different level and in a different way and then to go out into the world and try to make it, you know, that way. So, yeah, I thought that was really admirable of of him to do that. Um, So tell me about the... um, the station itself, did you ever work there or did you would you go in there or what what was it like for your dad? I mean, what what was his day like too?
2: I think all the four kids worked there at some point. <laughs> Even my sister Gloria worked and there. And it's probably for
1: free, right? <laughs> <laughs> Come and swing.
2: <laughs> so it, it was it was a great experience, of course. You know, back then it was just like, oh really dad, do I have to go in today to help? And so of course went in there, not necessarily kicking and screaming, but I did go in there dragging my feet. <laughs> Uh, but nonetheless, just to be able to, to learn. I mean, if anything, it, it taught me a lot of interpersonal skills. It's one of those things. It's one of the things we we forget that anytime you're talking to a stranger and having to provide a service to a stranger, or really trying to make a stranger happy with the services being provided, you're learning very, very good interpersonal skills. Because it's one thing to be able to do your job well, but when you're able to communicate with them and be able to share with them. Um, what they're, they're you know understand what their needs are and then be able to address those needs whether it be just add a, add a quart of oil to my car where you check you know mm-hmm. put some air in this tire but they, but they leave happy mm-hmm. and so um, it really did build really confidence I think that it was just something about. Any type of customer, I, I believe, any type of customer service oriented business, you're going to have that satisfaction of knowing that, yeah, customer went off. Again, I went in there dragging my feet and maybe I wasn't happy that he wanted me to work, you know, from 12 to 5 when I wanted to be out, you know, on, at Rio Vista, you know, go, floating down the river or something. But nonetheless, you know, I really, in hindsight, it's one of the things where you really think, you know what? This did make me a better person.
1: And probably you also, you're a people person. You probably did enjoy the connections that you were making with people as you're coming in, the conversations that you're having with them as well.
2: I remember one that I will never forget. Dad, I was inside doing credit cards because we were going to get the truckload of gasoline for the weekend. And so um, Dad said, you need to go and do, add up all the credit cards so that we can get ready to do that transaction when they come bring us our gas. So I was in there, and then Dad uh, whistles at me, and he says, come here. you know, come Come out here. When he got to one of the one of the uh, gas pumps, and he was helping a customer, and I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "Come here." He gave me that look, <laughs> that look that only my dad's hazel eyes could give you. He was the only person that I have ever had in my life could give me a look, and I would freeze. I, I just don't know what's it brought. You know, kids today don't have never. I don't think I <laughs> see that look. Because but back, you know, in the '60s, '70s, that look made you freeze. And I'm like, "He's like, come here now." And I went out there and I said, sure. I said, I said, Dad, what? And he's like, do you know who this is? And I looked in the car, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're Bob Hardesty, you're gonna be our new university president. And he said, yes, I'm just getting filling up gas. And he says, are you a student? I said, yes, and then I was, I think a freshman. And so um, it was amazing. So he said, yes, you're one of the first students I met. And after that, President Hardesty would always say, Mario Espinoza is one of the first students I met. In San Marcos.
1: Well, that connection like, like, Yeah, yeah.
2: I guess the other crazy story, too, is doing the same credit cards, going through and adding up credit cards. And I looked at one credit card and uh, credit card receipt, and I said, whoa. Remember, this is way before the days of electronic transfers and all just the tap and go with your credit (laughs) card. It was the old, exactly. It was the old type of credit card machine. So I'm looking through, and then I'm looking, I'm like, Dad, do you know who this is? And he's like, No. And then, of course, he's looking at the names, looking at the license plate. And then he finally looks, and he goes, oh, yeah, he was in here yesterday with Bubba. And I'm like, you know his son? I said, Dad, how long have you known George Strait? And he's like, oh, yeah, he comes by here all the time. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, really? I had to get the, then the cassette out of my
0: car and played for him. And he's like, he's pretty good. <laughs>
1: So at the time that your dad had the gas Kathy,
0: let's go ahead and let's take a break on that, and we'll come on back here. And uh, this is probably about the third George Strait story that I've heard people talk about in the last 24 hours. (laughs) It's just—it's so funny. People don't realize he was here. He was just another person in town. But he got to be so big that there's, you know, as soon as— Someone's saying it was um, in the time before— cell phones and this ability to get the word out that he just popped in down here down the street and was doing a concert and it was the same kind of thing he was like his dad was do you know who that is nah and you know it's George Strait and and all of a sudden all of these people started coming around and it was just this ad hoc concert he was just sitting here strumming down here it was at the Dairy Queen Okay, the old Dairy Queen that is now, oh, it's gone through a couple iterations, but uh, that's now the Davenport. But uh, it, it just it amazes me how he still permeates George Strait through the stories of San Marcos. So. Absolutely. All right. We're going to be right back with you here. You're listening to race is KCSM.org, true community radio, San Marcos, Texas with your host, Kathy Laura, although I'm interjecting a little bit more tonight, but uh, Mario Espinoza is here and we're uh, talking about Tom's Texaco. Uh, his dad, we'll be right back with you.
4: Anybody out there interested in chess Join us at the San Marcos Local Chess Club. We get together every Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the San Marcos Public Library. All levels are welcomed. Everybody is welcomed. All ages are welcomed. It's a really chilled environment just to enjoy and play some chess all together.
3: Hello there. I'm Salwa Khan. Producer and host of Mothering Earth, which is now on KZSM at 11 a.m. on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. You'll hear about a project to bring green alleys to San Marcos. Find out what they are and how they filter stormwater while being pleasant, welcoming spaces. Mothering Earth is your source for sustainable living news on your true community radio station. KZSM. Hey everyone, I'm Diesel D, co-host of KZSM's Veterans Hour. Every week on Mondays at 3 p.m., join me and my trusty sidekick, Steady Steve, as we pontificate and navigate through various issues relating to those who have served and those who have served those who served. From resources and history to our weekly Ask a Vet portion, we sit at the front window and watch the world go by, and we chat about all things fun, funky, and infuriating. Join me, Diesel D, and Steady Steve every Monday at 3 p.m. for Veterans Hour. We'll see you on the flip side.
4: Every Sunday afternoon from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. here on KZSM.org, Roots and Branches takes you down the highways, byways, side streets, and back alleys of music. Join me, Tony Wilson, your hosting guide on this weekly journey through the wonderful world of music from Texas and beyond. All you have to do is log on and listen. It's just that easy. What's in the daily news? I'll tell you what's in the daily news. Story about a guy who bought his wife a small ruby with what otherwise would have been his union
3: dues. That's what's in the daily news. Read the latest news about KZSM.org, your true community radio station, every Sunday in the San Marcos Daily Record. Look for our call letters in the headline of our exclusive column. The San Marcos Daily Record has been serving our community with news, features, sports, and opinion for over 100 years. Pick up your copy at your nearest grocery or convenience store. To subscribe to the print or electronic editions, go to www.sanmarcusrecord.com or call 512-392-2458.
0: And I was talking to somebody today out at the flea market, Was uh, had been reading in the San Marcus Daily Record uh, about the radio station, all the changes we've been going through. So, yes, you still can find some stuff in the San Marcus Record. And there's lots of ways to find out. Uh, but you only can hear on KCSM how we are all two degrees of separation from George Strait here on Riasis. Okay. <laughs> Kathy, back to you.
1: Um, I wanted to ask you, because you knew you were talking about the the confidence that, um, you know, people would get from talking to the customers. Um, back then, I'm going to assume, was your dad's service station a full service?
2: It was. It was full service. Absolutely. Everything from, you know, car washes to oil changes, um, some mechanical at point. At some point, he had various mechanics uh, on duty as well. As cars would come in, rolling in off of I-35 with... Uh, engine problems or what have you yeah he was able to service them
1: you know a lot of times they'd come out too and then you'd clean the windshield wiper absolutely you'd, you'd we pump would gas, uh, yeah, we'd
2: pump gas check we tires. Would, uh, do it all we do all, check check oil check transmission and there are times you even have to open up a hot radiator that was never fun to do because <laughs> you'd be very very careful. careful doing that but nonetheless we did uh, all that full service
1: and so i i know uh, from mr barry that um he, for some of his customers, would allow you to buy gas on credit. So did your dad do that as well? You come in, you get a book, and then you sign your name?
2: It's really, it's really funny because I think a lot of small businesses and small communities and even larger communities as well will always almost always offer credit to their customers. And so, yeah, dad had customers. that would come in, and he, they would basically sign the same kind of credit card receipt that uh, we would do for our regular credit card customers. Then they'd come in at the end of the month, maybe in a two months, and come and pay him. And so, and there were times that they would barter too. It was really funny because, you know, being again a small business, there were times, her daddy one time came home with like half a cow. Now, luckily, it had been, you know, cut up already, and we had, you know, hamburger meat. We had a few, we had some steaks. We had all kinds, we had sausage. We had all, and mom was like, what, where are we going to put all this meat? We can't just cook it right away, you know? And so, Sure enough, we wound up getting one of those those upright freezers, should... <laughs> because, and, because you never knew when Daddy was going to come home yeah, with but, half a cow. But
1: when you think about it, that probably was a good deal because now you've got this food that's going to sustain you for you know at least two or three months because that's that's a lot of meat, half a cow.
2: It really was, and yeah. so of course, Mom gave some away to you know family members and even neighbors at times. But, yeah, but there was always just, you know, lots of uh, lots of bartering going on. Things would show up. And I'm like, what is that? Well, so-and-so owes me money, and he brought this. And so I said, okay, we'll take so much off or, or for either forgive your debt or we'll just take so much off of, you know, what you have on your account. So it was, it, was, it was just amazing.
0: It's an amazing time. Oh, it's funny. I do that out at the flea market with people, and it's, yeah, credit. You know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, these are small items. We just, you know, we have fun getting the neighbors. But. That is something that's missing. It yeah. is, that trust factor, those, you know, the, the small community. And uh, maybe by the story here, I mean, we can get somebody inspired to start doing more of that around town. That would be really good. <laughs> that's well, but, right.
1: But I think that that goes a lot to, to the detriment of the men that came back from the service that had this thing about uh, trust. You're, you're um, in the military, you're Hispanic, and a lot of the people that are here now, they kind of see you in a different way because you went out and you fought and now they're willing to lend you a helping hand. And so I think that kind of in a way to kind of change a lot of the stuff for a lot of people because I tell, you know, people all the time about how my dad ended up with that piece of property on on, on Hunter Road and Mr. Netherland lived where the Lucius lived so that if you go past uh, Carlotta's house, mm-hmm. there was a little house, that there's a title house and there was a little house on the left hand side and Mr. Netherland lived in that house. Mm-hmm. And my father made a transaction with uh, Mr. Netherland. And um, Mr. Netherland called my dad over and said, Nick, come over here. And uh, he sold my dad those three acres that my dad bought from Mr. Netherland. And he called my dad over to a barn. And my dad said he went over there and Mr. Netherland took a little jug of alcohol um, out and um, served my dad a shot and, and said, no, he said, Drink this from this bottle and my dad said, no because it's your body he said, no, we're going to do this like this and my dad said he took a swig Mr. Nettle and took a swig they had a handshake, and my dad bought a piece of property yeah. so,
2: <laughs> that's a great story
1: you know and so but you know you don't you don't see that anymore I think we live in a world where we're so untrusting, right mm-hmm. and so you don't see or hear about deals like that anymore and so I think it's kind of sad that we've kind of gone to that that way but mm-hmm. I I love hearing those stories like that.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those things because trust really goes both ways. Because I remember there were some people that would come in with their vehicles, with their cars to the gas station, and I would come out and say, hey, may I help you? I said, where's your dad? And I'm like, he'd just run to the bank. He'll be back in 10 minutes. Well, you know what? I've got to run an errand. I'll be back. And I'm thinking, oh, it's probably personal business that he wanted. No, he wanted he or she wanted only dad to touch their vehicle. And so it's just one of those. It goes back to trust as well. So it's, yeah, you know, and I've always said that trust isn't given, trust is earned. And, you know, if you're able to provide that great customer service, if you're able just to work with folks, and of course, just be nice to people. I mean, it's all people really want is someone to to respect them, someone to look them in the eye. So that probably is one of the things I did get from dad is just his, some of his people skills, I think rubbed off on me, but it's probably the Tom's Texaco is really that rubbed off on me.
1: (laughs) And so uh, I guess kind of back then, that was kind of a little bit on the outskirts, wasn't it? The, the Yeah, we
2: were out there by, you know, well, Ocarina Springs Drive, you know, Holiday Inn was the big, you know, the hotel, you know, motel in town at the time. And so, yeah, it was it was considered pretty much the outskirts, the northern part of San Marcos.
1: And what year did your dad close down the, the station?
2: Well, he, he worked until he passed away, and he right. passed away in 1987. And so, uh, so yeah, so we kept, you know, it was a decision we had to make once he passed away, about to keep it going. And we decided and it was probably best just to close it. Mm-hmm. And that's when Red of Red's Texaco mm-hmm. over here, right near campus, he came over and he he bought out mm-hmm. you know, the family, if you will, mm-hmm. the interest mm-hmm. that we had there. And, and he started running it.
1: But you probably also met a lot of really cool and interesting people in San Marcos because you knew the stories, right? You knew Mr. Story. And he was kind of a character too, y'all.
2: Yeah, they they all were. I mean, back then it was just great to be able to to be able to, to talk to those folks, and really, it was one of those things of you know being a, a Hispanic child, Hispanic boy, to be able to go and communicate with those that were weren't Hispanic, but Daddy was doing it. So I just learned from him that if I said Dad can do it, and he's my example, then why can't I? So it's one of those things. Yeah. yeah so it's just one of those things. It's one of those whether it be a barrier, whether it be an obstacle or whatever you want to call it, that I was just, I, I kind of just marched right through it just because I saw Daddy do it. Mm-hmm. And so I said, if he can do it, well, I can do it. If, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with him doing it, so there shouldn't be anything wrong with me doing it. Mm-hmm. So it was a great example.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, you, you grew up in the Victory Gardens neighborhood, but over there on Ellis Street, right? Correct. And I was telling you that I had driven down um, the road, uh, Ellis Street, you know, uh, couple of weeks ago before we uh, booked the show and I was telling you that um, I remember the people that lived down the street but a lot of those people there too in the neighborhood were kind of businessmen right so, you know, you, you lived uh, pretty close to Mr. Guerrero, mm-hmm. and they had the restaurant, is right. Paul's. Right, Paul's Alex, restaurant yeah. and Alex yeah. and
2: Alex's yeah. restaurant. And Alex's um,
1: then you lived close to the Villalpando's mm-hmm. who were, uh, you know, instrumental in working in, in the city. And it was it was the public works department or the I th- road yes, department? Yes, and, the, and they
2: were also, Mr. Villalpando worked at, Eddie Villalpando mm-hmm. worked at dot At
1: t- Dot, right. And so uh, Mr. Vallejo lived over on the other street and so I think too, you know, you have all these other people there that are kind of working and getting ahead and so you're kinda of seeing that in your part of the neighborhood and Big John and his wife, you know, his wife worked over for the school district and mm-hmm. Mr. Rodriguez worked for um the phone company. Right Bertie's birdie, right. dad. <clears throat> And so, yeah, and so I was telling you that I, I kind of had a little bit of a, it made me smile because it made me remember all these people that I've known from my youth, and it's just, it's just a wonderful thing, I think.
2: It, the crazy thing is that you don't realize when it's happening. It's not until after that you see mm-hmm. all these wonderful examples, mm-hmm. and you don't even question, this is what I should be doing, mm-hmm. or this is, it's okay for me to, to do this, to ask these questions, to have these conversations with people who may not look like me, but it's, it's okay to do that. Even present day, I I try not to kind of look, you know, scan the room before I walk in. But many places where I go, even today, you know, they're going to be predominantly white. And so um, even I was fortunate to be able to not only go to Texas State, but get some couple of graduate degrees from the University of Texas. And so going in, I've used this example many times um, talking to, to groups, especially of Hispanic students. And then I remember the first time I walked into the University of Texas club, I was a member, I was a founding member. And I walked in and I was like, the only people here who look like me are people who are serving me. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, it was, it was, it was heartening. I don't want to say it was disheartening, but it was just heartening. It was one of those things to where I realized, you know, I've been giving some, I've been given a wonderful opportunity. So now it's gonna be up to me to be that example to others. So even today, when I go to the UT club, I always go out of my way to say hello to the staff. And if they just happen to be Hispanic, to talk to them in Spanish. And you should see the smiles that come on their face. And now they look for me, I, they'll, they'll come to my table. Yes. You know, and, and it's so important. If anything, it's just, I'm acknowledging not only their presence, but I'm acknowledging who they are.
1: And their value, right? Their value Absolutely. that they're giving to society. Absolutely. Extremely
2: yeah. big value. Uh,
1: but then kind of in a way now you've become like your dad, right? Because he's taken these, these young kids that he's kind of helping move up, and now you're doing the same thing and you know, with the kids that, that come there and, and now the staff that's there. So, yeah, I think that that is what um, I think for a lot of us we miss that, right? I think for a lot of us, uh, the Hispanics that have kind of made it, I think we forget that that you know we, we made it and then we don't really want to associate with somebody who we fin- feel is like beneath us and mm-hmm. uh, that not at the same level as us right and so sometimes we tend to um not treat them in the proper manner that that we should treat people because at the end of the day we're all just trying to make a living and absolutely get by some of us we just have had it a little bit better right our, yep. our resources the people that we've known our contacts have been just a little bit better and i think especially those of us that have been here for generations um, the assimilation now that we've gone through, mm-hmm. um, it, it makes the difference.
2: Absolutely. And th- if you're able to, especially, some people don't realize that they're actually mentoring, you know, the, the next generation or the, the current generation of, of young people. But just to be able to be there not only as an example, be able to have that discussion with them about what's going on with you, what's, how do you what changes mm-hmm. do you want to make, how can you better yourself, and how can I help share my experiences with you yeah. to be able to, so that you can learn and really know that you can overcome right. whatever Put, it is you're going through right. right now?
1: The inspiration to push them in the right direction Absolutely. to say, "Yeah, you can do this, right.
0: It's our responsibility to do that. Let's go ahead and take our last break here for the show. And you're listening to Rises on KZSM.org, True Community Radio. And uh, this is a. um, The views expressed on this show are those of the hosts, the guests, and not necessarily those of KZSM or SMTX CRA. And we're going to be right back with Kathy Laura and uh, Mario Espinoza here. And we're talking about Tom's Texaco and. couple things I was still going to ask that I liked. Kathy uh, always has things printed out. She has got, I mean, you know, when I talk to people about setting up a show, and we've got some great ones here. So, well, let's talk about some of the shows that you can hear as well. But uh, we'll be right back with you. On the radio, this is the Sweet Honey Bear Blues on Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Till 10 o'clock, you got me giving you what you just didn't know you needed.
1: I wonder, wonder
3: who, who, who. It might be the book of love, or it might be a biography, a self-help book, a cultural history, a novel, or a work by a local poet. And we might be talking with a librarian, an editor, or an attentive reader just like you. Or the author might be in the studio with us to talk in depth about the book. Join us Tuesdays 4 to 6 p.m. for Bookmark to learn more about books you love and hear about books you might learn to love. Right here on kcsm.org, San Marcos Community Radio.
4: KZSM.org would like to thank Truth and Light Crystal Shop for generously underwriting our programming. Truth and Light Crystal Shop, located at 171 South LBJ in San Marcos, right next to Redbud Roasters, wants to be the supplier of all your metaphysical needs with the large inventory of beautiful crystals, jewelry, candles, and incense, all at affordable prices. They also provide sound bath, Reiki, and tarot card readings. That's Truth and Light Crystal Shop, located at 171 South LBJ in San Marcos, Texas. For more information, you can reach them at 512-551-0921.
0: Hi, I'm Tony Wilson, host
4: of Roots and Branches, on Sunday afternoons from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. here on kzsm.org. I play all kinds of music from Texas and beyond. So join me on Sundays at 2 on KZSM.org, San is true community radio station.
0: Some of the great shows you can hear out throughout the week here on KZSM.org. But for right now, you're listening to racist and also... Go out and check out Riasis on Facebook and uh, like and uh, keep abreast of who the guests are, what's going on. But also, we will post up the link for this show, and uh, we're going to be tomorrow morning at uh, 9 o'clock. Uh, you can hear the, uh, 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 this show again and uh, all throughout the week. But go to kzsm.org. Check out our schedule and look for Riasis and tell everybody, if you like the show tonight, tell them to listen in for when we have our on course. Kathy
1: you know you had mentioned um earlier about your mom only speaking spanish right and i I have a lot of admiration for that generation that came before us because you know they really had a lot of obstacles to to um go over and that foundation that they build for you for you and for myself you know now we've assimilated a little bit better than they have the opportunities for us are a little bit better and you know and i remember you from high school and you were just kind of all over the place and you talk about role models but i think you know you also had good role models in high school you were in the band you um were a drum major and i think that that there were a couple of years there where i think was um cynthia the first hispanic yes, drum yes
2: cynthia cruz was the first hispanic drum major. okay and, then, and that was a huge Huge milestone,
3: yeah, and I, re- for San I remember Marcus. that.
1: I think I, I must have been like 13 or 14, and I remember that whole buzz about her, you know, becoming the drum major. And then after her, it was you. I,
2: I was drum major a couple years after, uh, 80, after is her. that.
1: She was 70, 78, correct, correct.
2: And I was 79 80. Oh,
1: 79 80. And then after that, it was Susanna, Suzanne, her sister, her sister yeah. was
2: right after me. And then uh, the uh,
1: Fernando um, Ovalle, and mm-hmm. then Cecilia Luna. So, yeah, there was like this big stretch of Hispanic um, uh, young. People in in the band with the, that title of the drum major, but then you were also very active in choir with Mr. McLeod, and so you won a couple of uh, was it like state titles or in yes, choir? Yes,
2: I competed in and not only solo and ensemble, but the what was then the Texas Music Educator Association um, All State Choir, and so yes, I was I was a two year alternate to the All State Choir. And so it was, it was great. So it was to be able to win, you know, place in district and then regional, then area, then and then all state. So it was it was great, great experience. If anything, I learned lots of discipline because the music was could be rather complex that you had to learn. And then you had to sing it as a solo, basically, in an audition before judges and, and uh, for as part of the, the competition, if you will. And so given that, yeah, it, it, I learned a lot about myself and what I could do and some things that I couldn't do.
1: Well, and and you were busy, and now you know. Now we're not only sticking to you know the 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 you know within our own race. Now we're making friends with all these other people mm-hmm. of all different nationalities. Because you know we we had you know people at our school that were you know um Amer- you know uh, English or American or white uh, how, Caucasian, however you want to call it, and then African Americans, and then we got the Hispanics, and we didn't have a lot of Asians, and there were few, but there were kids that would come from you know, other countries that would come to school here. And so now we have this whole thing that now we're immersed in with all these other people. So you graduate from high school. Tell me a little bit about what happened after you left San Marcos.
2: (laughs) Well, I I stayed in San Marcos actually for the next four years Mm -hmm. because I I came up the hill, so to speak, to attend what was then, of course, Southwest Texas State Mm -hmm. University. So being here at at Texas State, you know, be able to... uh, I came up as a music major, of course, given the the band and the, the choir background, but I only did that for a year, and I remember one uh, having to tell Dad that I was giving up my scholarship because I was going to change majors. And you could see that look on his face, kind of like, "Okay, what does that mean?" I said, "Well, it means for one, I'm we're going to lose the financial resources I'm getting from the university via my scholarship." And he kind of, we were like, I remember doing this at the gas station. <laughs> And um, had Tom yeah, had Tom said something. he could have, <laughs> he could have, because there were no cars around, there were no customers around when I was telling him this. And then he said, "Well, what do you want to? Uh, what are you going to study? What, do you, what degree are you going to go for?" And I said, "I'm, I know I want to do business. I'm going to go and pursue a BBA." I think he hugged me and said, my son, the business major. I think his fear was that I was going to be a music person. He was going to have to support me the rest of his life. And so when I was music, he he's like, I will pay for that. Yes, that's good. Yes, you do that, mijo. You do that. So, yeah, so I was very fortunate to be able to, uh, very blessed to be able to get my BBA from um, Texas State. And then uh, right off, I, I applied directly into the graduate program at the University of Texas in Austin. And so was accepted to the LBJ School of Public Affairs um, and of course, talking about mentors, and a wonderful mentor there, um, former Dean Elspeth Rostow, who was um, just her and her husband, Walt Rostow, were part of the LBJ administration mm-hmm. up in Washington, D.C. in the day. And so she was our Dean, but when I got there, she was my faculty advisor. She had stepped down from the role and was just a, a professor. I say just a. It was a high honor mm-hmm. to be a professor. Um, but given that, she kind of helped, you know, kind of guided me through, and then she said, Why are you not in the business school? And I'm like, Well, I didn't think I wanted to do the joint degree. She goes, oh no, we want to do the joint degree. And I'm like, we want to do the (laughs) joint degree. So given that, it was just, you know, she had really become, she had taken me under her wing. And so very fortunate, very blessed to to have someone of, for lack of a better word, that caliber. I mean, seeing this kid from San Marcos and saying, no, there is maybe potential. I'm not sure what she actually saw in me, but it was something that she guided me through. So sure enough, I was. Um, I remember see, sitting the GMAT, which was the entrance exam for the MBA program. And I sat it in Georgetown uh, University in Washington, D.C., because I was a graduate intern to Congressman J.J. J. Jake Pickle mm-hmm. at the time. So it was one of those things that, again, the, the blessings just have flowed my entire life in very, very very fortunate so I was up in DC and I sat that the GMAT came back and was admitted into the business school so I was able to graduate with a joint degree in and both so programs. now
1: you've got this degree of, tell me about wh- where did you work what did you do
2: uh, right at of school I worked for Pricewaterhouse because oh. back then that was probably one of the the big eight accounting firms now I think there are only four that most of them have combined mm-hmm. uh, and so given that, yeah, I worked for them for a few years, then worked uh, for the city of Austin and uh, was in the city auditor's office for a couple of months before I went over to the city manager's office. So in city manager's office, I did uh, was an executive assistant to one of the assistant city managers. I did government relations for the city, uh, which, as you probably know, for working for the city of Austin at the state capital is never a fun job. We seemed to you could talk about the, uh, what we call it, the blueberry and the tomato soup. Yeah, when it comes. To, <laughs> the of the yeah. Exactly, it's always budding of the heads, exactly. The heads. exactly. Yeah. So it was a tough client to have. Uh, but then I also worked at Austin Energy as their vice president of government Relations uh, for about four years Before going over to LCRA, the Lower Colorado River Authority, where I did community relations, government Relations for them. Uh, and then after that, uh, went to the Central Texas Regional Mobility Authority. Mm-hmm. So we're the ones that were building the toll roads mm-hmm. in Austin so became the deputy director there and so really a tremendous career i was just just so so excited that i was able to do everything that i did
1: that's what we call a hometown boy done good <laughs> <laughs> and and so i guess are we almost out of time or yeah, we have three minutes. um so tell you've been back home tell me about the changes that you've seen here um are you amazed? And you know we've changed so much. What What do you remember that is no longer here? What do you like, and what don't you like?
2: Well, there has obviously been some tremendous change, and you know it's one of those things that we can be we can fight change all we want, but it's going to happen. So it's just a matter of, of how we can guide it so that it it really is change that that benefits the majority of people. The, the benefits of not everyone, at least the majority. Of, of our residents mm-hmm. um so given that i mean just so much going on i mean everywhere you look there it's buildings that are gone that were once there we talked about big willies big which willies, used to be down yeah. by uh, on, high uh, one, high, one uh, 123. highway 123 exactly so talking about that and just some of the other places. burger get, chef.
1: burger chef used to come
2: there for a cheap burger and yeah. be able to build your burgers as big as you like.
1: Or, or ta- was it ta- Taco Torch? Taco Torch was there. You could get there. a burrito and a soda for a buck. Oh, yeah,
2: it was amazing. It was amazing. And there's still some things that are still yeah. around. You know, golden fried chicken. Now golden chick, I think it's kind of, you know, if you were the fried chicken, into the fried chicken thing. The chili dog stand, I think I've heard other people probably mention the chili yeah. dog stands That's that were really in town. And so um, I think we'd... Would get like seven for two ninety one ninety nine. Yeah, or one time, yeah.
1: Now they're like six ninety nine for seven. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, but it's kind of harder when you're used to. You know, right. seven for $1.99. ninety nine. That's
2: right. But just looking at some of the neighborhoods, even you now there's it's obvious that some neighborhoods have been able to do well, and others have not been able to do as well. In some have stayed the same, right? Yeah,
1: of Pascal is still still the same. Right, a large right. part of Victory Gardens is still the same, right. except they're getting a little bit gentrified now um even even uh, over off of Holland Street that has changed oh, quite geez. a bit you know mm-hmm. it and the university's kind of just taken over that that whole section it the, it really
2: has yeah. i think the university obviously is one of the driving forces mm-hmm. here um, I remember the days of the out when the outlet mall first came. It's like, oh San Marcus had made it. We now have outlet, yeah. you know, outlet stores. Yeah,
1: but it kind of killed all the downtown. It did. Yeah.
2: It did. It's got you yeah. know, kind of like the same thing people talk about what happens to Walmart and they move into small towns. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, what happened with our with our outlet yeah. mall. And then
1: my favorite place that is no longer here because I spent so much time there um, was uh, Evansfield.
2: Oh, that's right. A good old Evans Field. Well marching the day. I know we let's go out there and march now, Kathy. Kathy and I were both in bed Set together. The parking lot. And exactly. We're like we're running to a car.
1: Well, I think we're all, we're out of time, yeah. yeah. And I, I wanna thank you so much for coming. It's just been a pleasure and it's so good to see you again and we need to stay in touch. Absolutely,
2: thank you very much. It was my pleasure to come back and visit with you.
0: And thank you for joining us here tonight. And uh, Mario Espinoza has been the guest here on Riasis with Kathy Laura. And, uh, yes, this is the 16th of July, 2023. Make sure you tune in again next week. This is a wonderful show that uh, we've been going now since last year, last summer. And I am so happy to be part of this, that we have these neat stories like this that happen every week. So tune in. Uh, Y'all have a good night and a good week, and uh, I'll be back with you uh, tomorrow night.